Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 14th episode of the Atlas Society Asks. Today, we are joined by my dear friend, the artist Agnieszka Pilat. Before I even get into introducing Agnieszka, I wanted to remind all of you that are joining us on Zoom, you can ask your questions by just clicking them into the Q&A icon on the bottom of your screen. Uh, and all of us, all of you that are joining us on Facebook, you could just type your questions into the comment section. We'll try to get to them, as many of them as possible. Please, if you could keep them short, it's easier for me to, to read them and get to them on the fly. Um, so Agnieszka, was uh, born in communist Poland. She is now an award-winning painter in the United States. She recently moved from San Francisco to New York for an artist residency. Uh, in fact, she is talking to us today from her studio in the World Trade Center. Her paintings can be found in collections around the world. Uh, her most current project, hashtag disrupt, consists of heroic portraits of antiquated technology in which she treats every machine as an individual. She considers her work to be a tribute not only to technology, but to everything that is good about America, which boy, we need more than ever today. So you can find out more about Agnieszka and her art online at agnieszkapilat.com. And to see even more of her paintings, follow her on Instagram at Agnieszka underscore Pilat. So welcome Agnieszka. Hi, Jennifer. Um, well, and it's just so great to see you and thank you for uh, taking time out of your, um, your schedule because I know that this has been an extraordinarily productive and creative time for you and that you've been uh, kind of working around the clock. Um, so I, I really, it's quite an honor and I very much appreciate your um, taking some time on this of all days because it is uh, Atlas Shrug Day today. Uh, yeah, I just found it out. It must be destiny. <laughs> so, well, speaking of destiny, or uh, at least creating our own destiny and that sense of agency and possibility, um, how did you discover one of the things that we share in common, which is uh, our passion for the literature of Ayn Rand? How did you discover it? And um, in what way did her writing impact your life? Uh, so uh, I grew up in Poland and uh, didn't know about Ayn Rand. And when I moved here uh, to California from Poland, um, I was a bit uh, distraught by the culture. I expected much more embrace of um, individualism and achievement and uh, rational living. And a friend recommended Ayn Rand. He's like, oh my God, you have to read this book. And uh, yeah, and I was, yeah, and I just devoured it like within one week and um, really reshaped a lot of uh, way I, I think about life right now. Um, so you have also said that uh, two of your favorite books are Atlas Shrugged and Gone with the Wind, which I think is so interesting since Ayn Rand also has written about uh, Gone with the Wind in terms of its synthesis of character, plot, uh, and theme. And um, that said, would you consider yourself more of a Dagny or a Scarlet? 
Uh, yeah, so it's an interesting question. I wonder, do you remember, so I'm guessing that Rand didn't like Scarlett too much, or did she? Did she, uh, she liked the book, I'm guessing, for its romanticism and for the grandeur, but I'm expecting she probably disliked Scarlett because she was a bit of a irrational kind of emotion-driven being, am I correct? Well, she really focused more on um, the way that it had a plot that was also integrated with the characters that the characters in addition to being you know characters in in their own right but they also uh were sort of vehicles of, of certain values and so i don't i don't remember her as being um anti scarlet um and she wasn't necessarily you know anti a character that that evolved over time you know that had a narrative arc uh which certainly um, Dominique did in the Fountainhead, and I, I would say as well that uh, that Scarlett did as 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 well in in the course of the novel and what she learned. But you, uh, yeah, yeah, you strike me as a, maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, I like when I think about Atlas, I like Dagny, of course. In fact, my time in New York now, uh, because I quarantined for two weeks and then I jumped into the studio and been super productive really isolated reminds me of a time when Dagny leaves everything behind and she goes to her cottage and it just work 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 so that's how I feel right now so uh, the work aspect and uh, just the drive um, very much like Dagny and respect for hard work that said with Scarlett I have to say that um, what I identify with Scarlett is my approach to romantic relationships and I think again both Dagny and Scarlett had a you know their character was worship of men they both did uh, but it was different i think scarlet what what reminds me of myself is very often i get uh very enamored and i really get get you know very deep into relationship and i think that's where the purpose of my life is uh, very often and I, and i think that was what was happening to scarlet a lot but both scarlet and i then i remind myself oh for her, it was Tara. For me, is my work. Mm -hmm. So that that actually that drive. I mean, she was extremely hardworking, very pragmatic. Went through a lot too. A beautiful woman, very often judged for how she looked, but she was uber smart. So so I really kind of dig her character in that respect. So I want to remind everybody that uh, that's joining us on Zoom, that's joining us on Facebook, to ask your questions. You can ask them of Agnieszka. Apparently, you might even be able to ask a question or two for Uta, uh, though we don't know if, if she'll answer. Um, Agnieszka, would you tell us a little bit about uh, Uta to those of you who, who haven't met her already, and how did, how did she come into your life? Are, and, you are know, what, I should introduce Uta. Should I bring her? She's there climbing yeah, the ladder. Yeah. She's an oh, overachiever, dear. but I'll introduce her. She's right here. Uh, so this is Uta. Hello. Oh, Yuta, hi. Uh, you're, you're, aren't you a little bit chilly? <laughs> she, we're going to have a campaign for, uh, for um, go fund me for a sock because the winter is coming and when you York, it's very cold here. So, yes. So, so Yuta, Yuta is a very interesting character for me. So I know she's a doll. I'm not crazy. What's, in <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting for me is that my work is very, very serious and uh, Having Yuta allowed me to be a little more light and humorous, and sometimes uh, also um, 
she's because she has she's her own person she has very strong opinions sometimes and um she has no social filter and it's kind of fun to do it sometimes and uh she yeah when she comes out the gloves come off so uh so watch out do not mess with yuta so this yuta <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah well i i just uh i usually don't think about it but i can just imagine everybody that's watching this and saying oh my god like the atlas society they're they're playing with dolls Yes, we are playing with dolls. We are playing. We're having a good time, and we think that that is uh, is generally the best way to um, to promote these ideas. It doesn't all have to be quite so grim and serious all the time. Um, so, uh, Agnieszka, you call your paintings heroic portraits of machines and technology, and perhaps we're going to be able to to show a few of those. Um, and uh, and speak to them. Um, the protagonists in Ayn Rand's novels are heroic in nature. Uh, how can how can a machine be heroic? Isn't that a trait that's um, uniquely human? Uh, yeah, good question. So um, yes and no. So um, the way I look at when you when we think about machines, they're just really. Uh, they represent our aspirations, right? So anytime man wants to do something extraordinary, uh, you know, he builds a machine or she, whatever, <laughs> he or she builds a machine. So, um, uh, and of course you think about the Wright brothers is the most classic example of it. So for me, each machine is kind of represents really uh, just the extension of human mind and almost overcoming uh, the physical and in fact, I would argue that um, uh, paradoxically, it's the machines that are heavy, heavy industry are the most interesting because they really overcome our limitations as human beings, right? So like I'm here at the World Trade Center and there's no way anything of this could have happened if it wasn't for the machines we have. So, uh, mm, so they're kind of like our children. Uh, I have a very, very romantic view of the machine. Um, so, and your journey in art is so, so interesting, um, and uh, people, I'd like those joining us today also to know that um, Agnieszka has been a wonderful friend to the Atlas Society uh, in all of our very many experiments. She's actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Agnieszka, but I kind of feel like you've been a, a mentor to me as well uh, in, in the way that I approach my work and that, um, the, the other thing is she introduced me, of course, we wanted Agnieszka to, to be the artist in the anthem graphic novel, but, you know, she's got, <laughs> she's, she was busy, but she did introduce me to Dan Parsons. And I remember also one of the recommendations that, that you had was, you know, things don't have to be perfect. You know, it's more important to, to start, get it out there. You can iterate later. Um, but, uh, but when you were first introduced to Ayn Rand, um, you did a series, we've used some of them at the Atlas Society, of um, graphic novel panels based on the book. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, well, so, so it goes back again to my journey. I, I mean, as much as I don't really like defining myself as being Polish, I don't like that sort of tribalism. I think of myself as an individual, individual of course, growing up. Uh, behind the wall uh, had a huge impact on me. So, uh, so when I came here, um, 
I had very good life, really super fun and uh, just no, not the trouble in my mind. And then after I read the book, what stuck with me was uh, one sentence really that changed me like, oh my God, that woke me up, which was uh, a man without uh, purpose is the most immoral human being. I think something to that, to that extent, and it sounds very harsh and you know, without being judgmental, I wanna say that purpose is a very broad, broad uh, spectrum. And I think what's interesting with values and with Ayn Rand, she's very often being judged as someone who just uh, values money and business and everything is six for thought. And it's not like that at all. I think we can really redefine our own values. But, uh, but, but what she did for me was giving, giving this moral, um, uh, you know, green light that, you know, it's okay, you can pursue what's important to you. And I really kept it for my entire life and it allowed me to work very, very hard. And so I asked myself what was the most important and it still is thing for me and it's living in America, really. I mean, my career is very important to me, uh, other things, personal relationships, but um, nothing even comes close to how important it's for me to live here. And I, and uh, ironically, Ayn Rand doesn't like the word, word service. I really wanted to pay service to that idea. And I thought it was important to tell people what I knew about the ideas on the other side of the of that wall, because they are being idealized here in a way that I think is really just dangerous for the spirit of this country. So, so I, so I went to, to art school, like, I'm going to do a graphic novel based on the stuff that shrugged. And then, you know, 10 years later or whatever, 15 years later, uh, I'm, I'm a fine artist, which is like very far from what I really wanted to do. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, Agnieszka, the, the parallels between, between her life, between Ayn Rand's life, um, having grown up uh, under socialism, communism, and, uh, and escaping, um, and having an artistic sensibility, uh, and having her own vision, and to expressing herself, and also expressing her ideas in a, um, a romantic fashion, something that uh, the two of you have in common, as well as sort of your accent. Obviously, I know that the accents are different than a oh Russian God. accent and the Polish <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, she was, yeah, she had an accent, but she, she had such an amazing way of saying things, so concise. She was really mastering that, and it's just so to the point, just love it. So, um, Agnieszka, tell us a little bit about um, how you have personally defined success, um, whether, you know, as an individual or an, an artist. Um, people don't necessarily go into art to, uh, to make money, although you've uh, managed to uh, attract a pretty devoted following and um, end up in some very prestigious collections but um at the end of the day how do you define it yeah so it goes back to what i mentioned earlier that again i think um uh, especially andran is being often accused of you know value that valuing certain things and values are just really very individualistic and that's so we all define them for them for ourselves for me the definition of the value and again Rand was great about okay we're talking about values. Let's define what the value is. And there was, she was very good about that. A, any, every interview, he would like pause 
okay, what is the definition first? And it was just really great. Uh, so for me, the definition of a value is pursuing what, uh, excuse me, a definition of success would be pursuing values that are important to me. And I underline pursuing kind of in parallel to pursuit of happiness, because uh, especially as an artist, it, I learned to think about the process, uh, just following the right process. And the outcome is, you know, it's never guaranteed. And you can make yourself very unhappy very fast if you just want some outcome. In fact, uh, 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 we use a, um, uh, uh, how you, uh, um, it's called NATO, it's called NATO, not attached to outcome. So uh, in art, it's very, very important. And so that's how I define success. Uh, not necessarily finishing a painting, but working on a painting, showing up, putting in hours. So the work itself needs to be a reward. Yeah, and uh, that was one of the things that I, I really enjoy about your your Instagram and the social media content that you publish is that you've shown these um, so videos, which are uh, kind of, they must be filmed and then you speed them up, you speed ramp them. Uh, and we can see the entire process of Agnieszka, you know, even creating her canvases and then uh, starting them from start to finish. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think I wish, I, I think it's, it's complicated, right? Because, you know, we all, we are, um, I mean, it's nice to present only the best, and that's what social media has kind of been really tough on people because we see these idealized lives. And, you know, I'm not a fan of, of posting uh, some work that didn't come out right, so I kind of feel like I probably should more. I do post at least like in process, so it's not like I, I touch a, you know, a canvas and just looks beautiful all of a sudden. It's a process, it takes time. So, um, so again, yeah, I should, yeah, I wish, yeah, probably I like to, I, I like showing in process because a lot of, especially Instagram, uh, people who follow me are young artists and, um, and I know I, I, I owe a lot to my teachers and I think it helps a lot. So, um, um, yeah, so I'm a social media adult, yes. Great. Well, uh, we've got a few um, questions that are coming in, so we're going to weave those in and weave them out. And I want to encourage uh, everyone else that is, is watching to ask us some of your short questions, because again, it is such a privilege to be able to have Agnieszka with us today. So from Susan Camp, she asks, Agnieszka, who are some strong women role models you admire who are fulfilling Ayn Rand style self-actualization in the present day? Um, in the present day, uh, hmm. oh my goodness. Uh, hmm. <laughs> I don't know actually, it's, for me, I, it's so hard as much as I am a woman, it's so, so hard for me to really uh, look uh, be so focused on the gender. I'm really not. Um, I'm sure there are. I, I just can't think of any uh, right now. Um, can we come back to that? Okay, uh, we will. Um, and uh, then um, from Alonzo Cobb, he asks a discussion regarding artificial intelligence can the creation uh, supplant the creator? I thought that was kind of, uh, it's a very an interesting question also given 
who our honoree is for this year's Atlas Society Gala, Peter Diamandis, who's the co-founder of um, Singularity University and uh, the author of The Future is Here Faster Than You Think and Abundance. So yeah, um, just being around the tech world so much, have you given some thought to that? Artificial uh, intelligence? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. I, I think it's probably, uh, uh, far way, far way out. I think I would applaud that if it was possible, uh, because I think if we have partners in life or in business that are smarter than us, that's something we, we can only um, profit from that. So I would, I would, I'm not scared of AI at all. I think that would be a great thing if it was, if, if it really happened. Uh, for me, in my profession, um, it's kind of, you know, it's at this point, it's still a tool. So I think like, you know, like about using Photoshop to paint or taking a camera and, and taking a picture. So I think for, for us, for humans, I think humans are extremely adaptable. So probably it would only push humanity forward because we would just have, again, better partners. So I always like to be like a small fish, the smallest fish in the pond. So uh, I, I re again, I really think externalities from other from AI or if there were other species or whatever, if I think it's better if they're smarter than us, it can only elevate us. So I'm very optimistic, very gun ho. And I think it's interesting as well, um, in a way that, that art becomes more relevant, particularly the fine arts, um, at a time when artificial intelligence is, is becoming ubiquitous and certainly will accelerate in terms of um, its presence and utility in our lives, that there is a natural human hunger for, you know, the authentic, for human-to-human -human connection. So being able to, to see art, enjoy art, which is being created by, by a human being in a very, not necessarily spontaneous, you know, process. I know you plan these things out, but yeah, it's, it's actually the work itself, my work is a paradox because uh, to, for a human, paint a celebrity portrait of a machine, it's all upside down. And so when I think kind of, and going back to that question into the future, uh, I think about um, what if AI actually really becomes like a thing and, and becomes really very intelligent and uh, someday uh, is, independent enough, AI, AI looks, looks at, my, at the portraits of machines I'm painting. So it's like a, a hypothetical audience for me right now, actually. In the same, and these are their ancestors, the machines I'm painting, in the same way as we go to a portrait gallery and we look at the portraits of aristocracy and think, okay, these are our ancestors. So um, I'm actually very close to that concept and I love that concept. Okay, well, we, uh, Susan Camp, I'm, I like her. She's she's uh, wanting to help us out here. So she had a follow up to the earlier question, and uh, she said, "Strong Vandian role models, any gender." Oh, okay. Well, I like I like Elon Musk because I think he has just the right amount of uh, smarts and arrogance, and uh, uh, yeah, that combination kind of like Iron Man. Uh, so probably. 
and he made technology sexy again. He made accomplishments sexy again. He, he made it okay. I think he's not being resentful for being uber wealthy. Like when you think about uh, Jeff, Be Jeff Bezos kind of, he's not very liked. Elon Musk had the celebrity that's just um, combined, yeah, with enough, I think, smarts and, uh, uh, and he's done great things. I mean, we, I mean, he really pushed um, humanity forward and uh, I think people appreciate it. So Elon Musk would be an example for sure. Great. Uh, so I've got a question here from Vicky. She wants to know, do you still have family in Poland? Do you know how the government there is dealing with COVID, quarantine, the lockdowns? Yeah. What's that experience? Yeah, I do. Yeah, my mom, I have, my mom lives in, all my family's in Poland. I really came here by myself. So uh, uh, it's, Poland is interesting. So Poland has done tremendously well uh, after 89, has been one of the, probably the most successful economies. Still, I mean, now it's probably, I don't know what's happening now really, but uh, it, it was like the third fastest economy growing in the world by just last year. So Poland for me again, uh, that's why I am so attached to free market and free economy because I've seen it happen in front of my eyes. And right now, uh, COVID, I don't know, I know that my family is healthy and safe and um, the government is probably a little more uh, conservative than I would like, uh, especially in terms of social, um, uh, social issues. Uh, but hey, compared to 19, before 1989, it's like night and day. It, it's fabulous. It's great. It's Poland's done very, very well. Yes. Uh, in order to be objective, we have to have perspective. So a little gratitude on all of the progress that has been made, I think, uh, makes, makes sense. Um, okay. Uh, Gerald, speaking of Poland, wanted to know how did growing up in Poland um, prepare you to appreciate the work of Ayn Rand, maybe some uh, stories of examples of <laughs> what it was like, you know. Sure. <laughs> I like living well, in quarantine today. Uh, well, so the best example, the toilet paper. So we remember just a few months ago, there was no toilet paper for like two months. And I'm not saying there was no toilet paper. People couldn't buy it. Everyone had tons of them in home. I grew up when toilet paper was like the prime commodity because in centrally, you know, um, governed country, uh, some bureaucrat would think, okay, we need this much toilet paper. And they were always wrong, of course. So I grew up uh, standing in lines with my mom always. Uh, I didn't even know. We never even knew what was in the store. All we, know, all we knew, the store was open. So we were going to get on the line and you would knock a person in front of you. Hey, so what they have? I'm like, I don't know. So that's how I grew up. I grew up in a country when uh, I'm like right now in New York. So, we, so, it's, so it's sad to see that, um, that the taxi business is really being uprooted by, by Uber. But compared to, I'd rather have that than being in Poland when it would be winter and you wait for a taxi an hour maybe, and then they are very rude and then ask you where you're going. And if they don't like the location where you're going, they're not gonna take you. So uh, I'm sorry if there's some noise, I think someone is doing something. So uh, it made me appreciate really uh, just, I mean, just abundance of being here, of course. And people are also just people in terms of how Americans are. Americans are nicest, most generous, open people. And, and, I'm, and it saddens me that 
Americans, that the Americans are so down on themselves. Uh, still to today, it's just uh, really the most generous, uh, sweet, non-judgmental people. And you know, now it's very divided, but that shall pass because the culture itself is just, uh, just wonderful. Um, well, great. So speaking of which, Jerry, hey, Jerry, good to see you again. He, um, he wants to know, having come from that experience in Poland and living under communism, what are your views of the current, you know, political push for socialism in America, particularly in places, you know, like California and Oregon? Well, it's a natural, uh, I, I agree with Mark here, it's, it's a natural, you know, uh, state of affairs. Uh, you have someone promise you they're going to give you everything for free and you deserve everything. Hell, if it's a democracy, people are going to vote for it. So uh, I am optimistic on, about America, especially because I think actual immigration, I think people who come here, immigrants, they're generally very hardworking and they don't expect the handout. Uh, I, I think it's worrying if, um, you know, the, uh, the wall state, the welfare state is kind of giving also to people who come. I think it's, it's, um, it's like squirrels in the park. You don't feed squirrels in the park. So uh, if there is still enough squirrels coming here, I think it's gonna be okay. I'm very optimistic about America, but uh, I thought I had to do my part, which was that's why I went into, uh, wanted to do the graphic novel. And my part was, okay, I'm just gonna tell that story how I see it. So, um do you feel restricted from sharing your, you know, perspective, your authentic perspective as an immigrant who came to the United States and left behind this experience of socialism and feels, yeah, capitalism, you know, industry, these are good things, freedom, good things. I mean, do you feel in an art world where it, it can seem, at least from the outside, like very politicized. Do you feel that people, uh, I mean, probably when you're yeah. in art world, well, you're, you're talking about pigment and, uh, you know, the, what's being sold for what or whatever you're not talking about. Yeah, um, well, so yeah, I'll go back to Ayn Rand. She was so smart. She knew by the time someone is my my age or even well yeah if, if you're in your 30s already it's too late to really influence so i think uh people think that we can influence uh people's opinions through politics and i think it's really not the way you can't really do it people just look whatever what they believe in already and you know through voting they just they just show what they believe so that's why i believe what you guys are doing so much uh, reaching out to people who are still, you know, young. So especially college, I mean, think college is the way, this is where you really um, define your philosophy. So I think uh, creating content and reaching young people and giving them an idea, like a different point of view, uh, this is the best we can do. Yeah, and I think it is important uh, in order to, to reach young people, that is the primary focus of the Atlas Society, um, that uh, if you're going to do that, you need to do it in a way that appeals to that target audience, which is, is a different endeavor. It's a different kind of work. I mean, Agnieszka, when she is painting, 
she is painting what she she's wants to paint now fortunately there's a lot of things that we can do at the atlas society and i like doing what we're doing but i never forget for me that it's a job with a specific goal and a specific mission and things are, you know, as they are, not the way I would like them to be. So it's just because I would like that people read books or I would like that people listen to boring lectures. That isn't the way it is. It certainly is not the way it is for, uh, for young people. So that's why we've really focused our efforts on graphic novels, animated videos, you know, memes, uh, and increasingly on whatever, wherever young people are, that's where we are going to be. Okay, so Vicki would like to know, and I'm glad she's asking because I would like to know as well about the beautiful painting behind you, Agnieszka. It looks like a halo, actually. Thank you, you for you asking. Like that, but it looks like there's a, a halo behind you. But there is a halo uh, behind you, even without the painting. Mm, well, thank you for asking. Yes, well, so this is one of my paintings. It's called um, Dancing Queen. So all the paintings I do, they are, again, they're a celebrity portraits or they're aristocratic portraits, but they're, the machine is the object. So this one is based on um, Alexa. And I know a lot, of people, a lot of people don't like Alexa. I like Alexa. She's my friend. I like Alexa. So, th so this this is a paint, yeah, so this is a painting for Alexa. So I, I actually, I made an effort. I used to paint a lot of um, ancient technology, old machines, and, uh, and I liked doing that. And, and uh, the concept behind this is, again, it's, um, um, now let me say it differently. And then I, then I thought, okay, I, I want to do a switch and do some new, newer technology. And it was hmm. extremely difficult, actually. I had a really hard time, and I did a residency at, at Google X, at Waymo, and it was a disaster. I was there for six months. I couldn't finish a painting. And, uh, and it occurred to me that young machines, they're kind of like kids, they're like teenagers. They're kind of silly and stupid, and they dress up, and they don't know what they're doing. So I kind of changed the color palette, and they became a little more abstract, and that's one example of it. It's spectacular. I, I can't imagine the sort of leap of imagination that, I mean, I know that when we write articles or have a message or a meme and it's about uh, abstracted technology, it's difficult to even find like a stock photo to go with the quote, much less actually uh, creating it. But it's beautiful and the colors are just absolutely gorgeous. So when did you paint that, Agnieszka? Uh, this was painted actually just a few months ago. Uh, so during during this COVID lockdown, I, I, for me, like I didn't wait for it to be over, go back to normal life. I, I really appreciated the kind of no FOMO and just staying in and being very self-focused. And um, and that's one of the paintings that came actually from COVID, uh, which again. I just, I, I feel bad saying that because I know for some people it's been a struggle. Uh, for me, it's been a very good time actually, the lockdown. Well, for us, it has also been at the Atlas Society and we um, reject envy. So we would never feel uh, bad that somebody has thrived and been productive in um, a difficult situation or situation that's been hard for us to endure. We would feel elevated and we would feel hope 
that there is uh, a possibility in a benevolent universe of achieving more. So, um, but yeah, benevol now, yeah, benevolent universe. That's the that's that's her idea. Benevolent universe. That optimism that the future is going to be better. That's so uniquely American, and you know, as compared to the culture I came from, which is um, if somebody has something better than you, like, huh, they must have stolen it. They are, they have connections or yeah, they're dishonest. So um, in America, like I still believe it's, you know, um, just define what's really important to me and pursue it. I think that, yeah, I have um, later on this afternoon, I'm doing an Instagram live uh, with Argentina and it's going to be in Spanish. And so there's a lot of questions about um, the view of the American sense of life, the American way of thinking. And I think that's exactly what I had put in there, which was this idea that it's possible. It's possible that things can be different, that we don't just have to accept things as they are. But now that I know your story of toilet paper, Agnieszka, I think I understand a little bit more your, po your quarantine post. It was your Polish roots coming out when you saw the toilet paper that somebody oh, yeah, had yeah, in the yeah. park. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, so enough silliness, enough silliness. Um, Catherine Shores has a great question, which I, you know, particularly appreciate as the daughter of a doctor. Um, she talked about a mechanical, there was a mechanical human heart created. Would machinery and technology translated into medicine in the human body? So have you thought about uh, all of the incredible equipment and technology in medicine as part of your series. Oh my goodness, yes, and that's a, that's a great question because again, that yeah, that kind of um, it's just an amazing question. In fact, I'm gonna turn around my camera, so this is my studio, and right now I'm working on this big painting, and that oh. actually is a medical. Sorry about the light, but the light is not so good. I'm gonna move it a little bit, but uh if, yeah, if your your question is a doctor, she will she will know what it is. It's a ferraptor, which a ferraptor, which is a uh, a device for measure, to um to check eyesight to help with eyesight. So I'm so yeah, so I, very gun hole. I I've been thinking about that and um uh, yes, so yes, very much so. And next time, uh, yeah, I'll be better prepared, um, Agnieszka. But this is my 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 dad's textbook that he's your dad written. is a ca cardiologist that's true yeah um and in this though is is a drawing that was made by i think like a five-year-old me uh of the cardiovascular really? system and it's been in every edition so uh so fortunately i decided to not you know pursue it as a profession otherwise you'd be in big trouble no kidding um so, okay, so we have got some other questions. Kate Jones wants to know, uh, are you married? Uh, and what do you think of family life? <laughs> you and, and I now, have talked about this a lot, girlfriend, so. Personal, okay, and now no secret. No, I, I am divorced, I, I, I got divorced. I had a very good marriage um, and we got divorced after almost 15 years. Um, my husband, a wonderful guy, engineer, 
uh, he ended up living in a, a lot in a different state and, and, I, and I just went also in different directions. So we kind of started looking for different things in life, but um, it's been a great marriage. Um, and right now, no, I'm not married right now, but I have a boyfriend. <laughs> you have a boyfriend. Um, and thoughts on, on family life? I, you I know, that's something that I think we, we uh, so people rightfully uh, say that um, it's not something that objectivism, or at least the, you know, a body of objectivism that, that Ayn Rand left us didn't deal that, um, that much with family life, that, that children were not uh, prominently well featured in most of her work, I guess, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, again, you know, to each uh, their own. I, I think it's a very individual thing. I think procreation in itself, there is no value in it because then it's just absur absurd. But this family life is something that would make you happy and and you know and that could be your purpose. I have, I think that's that's absolutely rational. Uh, I do think it's very hard to have it all. So generally, you know, three pillars of life, if you think about, uh, you know, professional, uh, probably romantic, and then um, health, it's probably hard to have excellence in all three of them. So we make some, you know, um, you prioritize. Yeah, yeah. We prioritize. For me, it just, I was, it just, yeah, I was, it was just never, I never thought about it. Uh, but again, you know, it's an individual thing. So um, I'm not putting you on the spot. Okay. Well, we, 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 I have uh, parents. I have parents. I have family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an alien. Um, so, uh, so you know what? I really hope that you do when when you're there um, in New York. You know, I sent you those photos of the Intrepid. Yes. Uh, yeah so when it's uh, obviously i'm sure it's not open right now but um but that would be have you ever been there no so th that's incredible in terms of all of the um antiquated technology and the and the machines and those are um of course those are machines that are used in uh warfare you know and in, in defense so you know i did the residency in an aircraft career in bay area I tell us about studio. that. Yeah. Tell us a, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about? And well, did that inspire was, you? Oh, it was, it was fantastic. So again, if you talk about heroic machine, there was nothing more heroic than that. And and again, you know, I'm attracted to machines because machines are uh, we're living in a world that every world and everything is very relative. With machines, it's very honest. Does it work or it doesn't? <laughs> and I, I'm just really attracted to that. So. Uh, being on the ship was just awesome. This this, this was USS Hornet, uh, which also recovered um, multiple Apollo missions, and uh, you know, so great history. Awesome, awesome machines. I've done some great work there and met some people through there. So it was great. It was very, yeah, it was just awesome. I love doing NC2 kind of yeah residencies where the machines live. I think it's great. Uh, okay, so we have a question. John called Galt was Dagny's terminus. Is Rhett the same for Scarlet? Oh, okay, then good for you. You're the expert. Yeah, um, I, I guess uh, I would probably say no. Um, that uh, 
that John Galt was kind of the, the sort of logical um, conclusion of, uh, of where she was going and what she was learning about, that at the end of the day, she wanted to have a man of the highest you know, moral virtue and of superior intelligence, uh, a man without compromises, without any unearned uh, guilt. And so that, that was sort of where, where the arc of the, the novel was, was pushing her towards. Um, yeah, Scarlet, not so much so. I mean, when I tend to think about the, uh, Gone with the Wind, I, I perhaps, I mean, there, because there was so much, it, it really isn't necessarily um, primarily a, a love story, you know? I, I think it is uh, also the story yeah. of, you know, an, an epic, a time, um, a, a war. So there was a, there was a lot going on. Uh, so what are you reading now, Agnieszka? Tell us a little bit about that. A funny you ask. I'm reading uh, every morning. I have a routine uh, or a ritual, should I say, and I read just a few sentences from Meditations, Marcus Aurelius, which is very different than Atlas Shrugged, may I point out. So very different, not opposite, but different approach to life for sure. What are the big differences that you see? Uh, so I, so objectivism is about molding the world to your uh, vision, uh, to your vision, as opposed to uh, Marcus Aurelius and Stoics just accepting the world, the world the way it is. And surprisingly, it's not so different because so for him, you look at the world like being governed by the logos. Everything makes sense. So. Uh, what I found for myself um, very charming and helpful in that philosophy is that if something happens, uh, you look at it as a push towards something that's important. So he, he famously said, obstacle is the way. And I would compare it to Ayn Rand. It's not about who's gonna let me, it's gonna, who's gonna stop me. So it's, it's kind of similar, but uh, it's a bit more calmer philosophy. I think with Ayn Rand, sometimes I myself, I beat up myself a little bit too much if I am not productive enough. Uh, you know, just she's so uh, focused on work, 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 be productive, be productive. Some, it's, sometimes it's hard to put up with if you take it very seriously. Yeah, well, I, I think that I can relate to that. I mean, there is a, a, a relentlessness, you know, about, um, her and a huge emphasis on work, productivity, achievement, and value, and so. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's amazing, it's wonderful, because again, like for me, uh, I, there is no doubt, I'm not just saying that to be, you know, to like, please you or Atlas Society, but I really, 100%, if it wasn't that I read this book, I would not have accomplished in my career what I have. Because for her, again, to, 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 for someone to show you that, again, give this, um, green lights to really pursue 100% what you need. It, just, it was just wonderful. And, and of course, during my career, I found, I realized it's more about endurance as opposed to intensity. So early on, you know, you work a little different, you're very intense, long days. Right now I, I work for the shorter days, but they don't stop. So, so, so what I found out is like things that happened in my life, in my professional life, um, 
they just happen. It's just, but you, you have to have endurance and just work hard, focus on the process. And uh, it's just amazing how magic just happens. Yeah, well, I can attest, um, having been to Agnieszka's uh, studio, one of her studios in San Francisco, um, how dedicated she is, how hardworking she is. Um, and uh, it is a process, you know, uh, whether you are raising a family or you're trying to keep your business afloat or you're starting some crazy new endeavor, you're writing a book, you know, you can just uh, lose sight of, um, of the fact that there, there, there will be a result um, and that it will come for you. And that um, I've seen it with you, Agnieszka, in your work. Uh, and it's much more entrepreneurial what you do because it's not like you can just bring some stuff to market. I mean, you really have to. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and also that I think people want to have a personal connection with the artist so that um, particularly when there are collectors of a really significant level that, you know, maybe, maybe you will be there. I don't know. Or maybe you, are, you feel that you, you already are that, uh, that you have a relationship with people that invest. I do, but, and again, life. but it's authentic. So we're living in a, you know, in a time when authenticity is rare. And I, and I really went into, when I first started doing what I was doing, I never thought I was going to make any money out of it. And it was not my, my purpose at all. And again, it's kind of ironic, Ayn Rand, like service. She didn't like that word, but for me, it was really service to America, which is my highest value. So for me to, you know, I really, my work is really about paying tribute to um, entrepreneurs, I mean, technology is big for me. Uh, so technology is kind of the new industry of America. And, and I do think that people in that industry, they really deserve uh, moral credit how, for how they're pushing the world um, to a better place. So, um, so it comes from authentic place. So it's, not, so it's not hard for me to really do it. I, I'm just, the work itself is, is a reward. So Agnieszka, um, you know, I've, I've known you for about four and a half, years i think you came to the first reception that i had actually it was, it was in this house here in san francisco it was the first time you and i met uh when i took over the atlas society and yeah we've been through our ups and our downs agnieszka was um, not she and i were we're always up uh but uh she was uh, one of the judges on our very early art contest which was a flop but uh, we tried it, we learned. Um, and, you know, I've seen though, it seems to me, tell me, maybe I'm not perceiving it correctly, but it, it seems that, you know, four years ago, we would have conversations uh, in private that you felt that you could let down your guard more in terms of being um, as unabashedly you know, patriotic and uh, you know a defender of uh, the free market that it, it, it seems like you've felt a little bit more guarded it, is that just a perception or um, do you has there been any experiences over the past couple of years that have you know maybe you've reached a level of uh, success where you feel more comfortable just saying hey this is who I am I don't need to worry about what you know people are going to judge me for my views or um, yeah no I still I mean I'm still cautious uh, because uh, uh, let's I'm 
I'm very cautious about talking about politics in general. I don't think politics really uh, defines me. Uh, I have a very narrow view. I know I'm very biased because of my childhood. I think uh, if I when I if I ever talk about politics, when I disclose that, that allows people a bit to be a little bit more open-minded because this is through my experience. Uh, you know, that said, um, uh, it's, um, I, I, I still, no, I'm still very cautious really because people, you know, people just want to hear what they want to hear and they make assumptions and jump to assumptions, just like Ayn Rand, again, like, you know, a lot of people have an opinion, strong opinion about this book and, uh, they didn't know that Ayn Rand was like the first one to speak against draft, very hardly against draft, very, she was a feminist, she was an amazing feminist, like so strong, right? She was the bread breadwinner in her family. So there's a lot of stuff about her that uh, just being really misjudged and I don't want to, um, and I am maybe a little bit more outspoken because I think I, I, my work, I have a big body of work itself that it speaks for itself. So I'm in a stronger position, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, again, like I said, it could be just um, my, you know, perception that it seemed to me that you've been, and we're, you know, getting older, we're, we're feeling more comfortable saying, you know, what we, what we think, regardless of whether there's a context of public opinion or whatever especially utah especially utah oh, she's, <laughs> she's up for free market that little one <laughs> <laughs> so uh so tell us the story of utah we've got a couple of more minutes here and we can still take another question or two if, if somebody wants to throw one uh, out there but tell us about well, utah. utah utah has her own body of work and her own collectors and we are working towards two women show uh her and i and uh, she's much more experimental in her work. And I kind of envy her, her youth, although she's got a lot of work done, of course. She's a joke of sorts, but again, you know, going back to Ayn Rand, she's a, a part of, you know, the seriousness. It's sometimes it's just like, like you said in the beginning, it's like sometimes it's okay to be a little silly. So just a, you know, silly way of, also for me, it was a big, uh, for social media, uh, creating uh, content that was more uh, light and just easy to make and I kind of bonded with her it's a little weird but um we have like a thing going she's a good listener that always helps uh doesn't talk back I mean yeah we're good so how do you know what she thinks if she doesn't talk back uh she she's like the whole all the shadow personality of me that's her so I so I oh I know she's huh. <laughs> <laughs> she's out there and yeah, how, but, long has uh, she, yeah. how long has she been with you? She's been with me, oh my goodness, maybe six years. I've had her for, for a while now, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's great. A friend of mine is making a copy for her, another, a, a cyber one like her, with, a, with oh, actually, I think, Mechanical Heart. He just sent me a picture, so there's going to be another one. Sister. Has she ever run away from home, or have you ever had any sort of disciplinary problems? uh she i think at one time she had a boyfriend i put an end to that it was too early <laughs> uh but um no overall she she's a hard worker like i am and i'm not working she's working so uh kate uh, jones wants to know what are the holes on uh Utah's chest is she a music box or a talking doll yeah yeah she used to talk but yeah there was a string here but um it's i don't <laughs> 
said it. It's like some strange kind of language. Uh, I don't know. That's how she came. I actually, the, the reason I have was that I was doing a project back at school at the academy and I wanted to paint a portrait and I, and I bought her a slave trade. I bought her at the garage sale and I painted her and then she's been with me ever since. She, we kind of found it in a silly way. We love her and uh, we're very excited to hear that she's even more Randian than you, if that's, um, if that's possible. And uh, I, uh, I'm sad, I'm happy for you, but sad for me that you are on the East Coast now because mm -hmm. Agnieszka, I brought the gala to the West Coast, okay? I know, I know. In part for you. So if you can't go, maybe, you know, um, Uta can, can come. Well, if there wasn't for the quarantine, the quarantine is a problem, right? So I'm, unless the quarantine would be lifted because for me to come back here and, and again, you know, uh, you might argue if it's rational or not. Uh, but um, for me, especially as an immigrant, I really right. find being here, it's not out of fear, actually, it's out of respect. I find it a privilege for me to be here. It's not my right to be here in New York. And, you know, if I don't like their laws, I don't have to be here. So, um, so I'm really committed to kind of follow the law. Uh, and so, yeah, as long as there is quarantine, it'll be hard for me to leave because then I have to do the quarantine again. Well, we'll have you then, or we'll have a virtual option. Uh, so we'll have you join us that way. And um, anyone who is watching who would like to join us uh, in person for our socially distanced um, Atlas Society Gala on October 14th, coming up in Los Angeles at the Beverly Hills Hilton. Uh, we're gonna have it in the outside courtyard uh, with masks required. So uh, we are honoring Peter Diamandis. Chip Wilson is coming down from uh, Vancouver with uh, a party of people. So um, we'd love for you. Oh, Chip is coming. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Chip, Chip's yeah. coming. Yeah, it's. Yeah, he's be... a good example of someone who has a very big business, very successful, and has been uh, terrorized because of his political views. Uh, but I mean, such a yeah. such a good businessman and good guy. Yeah, and was, uh, yeah, definitely not um, given a pass, um, but he's been not defeated and unbowed, and uh, he allowed us to uh, tell his story in My Name is Chip Wilson, which, by the way, also want to thank Chip, um, just uh, gave us the funding to translate uh, My Name is Chip Wilson into Portuguese, into Hindi, and into French. So uh, the, the Portuguese should be up, if not by the end of the week, then um, early next week. And, um, and it'll be, yeah, the third language into which his story, and this has been helping the Atlas Society to exponentially grow around the world. So we will miss you, Agnieszka, but there's always tomorrow. Yeah, so. well, the strangest thing can happen, but... Uh, yeah, but I'll be there in spirit because it's yes, always such a great group of people, really. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of our community. Thank you to all of you who uh, joined us on Zoom, who joined us on Facebook, who asked your great questions. Um, make sure to sign up for the Atlas Society newsletter so you always get notifications for these kinds of events. Um, thank you for 
donating and supporting us to make it possible. Uh, Agnieszka, how do we sign up for your newsletter? Because I love your, your newsletter. Oh, ideally, I guess you follow my page on Facebook and uh, okay. from there I always post, so you'll be able to do that. Yeah, just follow Agnieszka Pilat on uh, Facebook. Right, and definitely check her out on Instagram and, uh, and we will see you next time. Thank you, Agnieszka. Thank you Love so you, much. My dear. Okay, Thank bye. you. Bye, bye Yuta. <laughs> bye.